Welcome to the Dream Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Let's start in Genesis 1. So go ahead and go to Genesis 1. And uh, nope, I lied, I lied, I lied. Go to uh, Luke 19, Luke 19. I can't wait for everybody to be back in the room. Um, we have even less people this week than we had last week, and last week we didn't have anybody. So, um, All right, Luke 19, and uh, we will start at verse 11. Uh, this is not what I intended to uh, preach on today, but it ties into what I intended to, um, but the Lord did what he normally does and uh, changed everything up this morning. So I'm just being obedient. I think this is very important, though. Um, so let me just read this. I've got a lot of scripture that I'm like on the fly just praying the Lord will show me what to hit and what not to hit. So uh, just, just let, me, let me hit this real quick. Uh, Luke 19, verse 11 says this. At this time, Jesus was getting close to entering Jerusalem. The crowds that followed him were convinced that God's kingdom realm would fully manifest when Jesus established it in Jerusalem. So he told them this story to change their perspective. Now I'm just, already, just seeing stuff already. Okay, The crowds that followed Jesus were convinced that God's kingdom realm would, find, would fully manifest when Jesus established it in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, I've got to change that perspective right there. So he says this. Once there was a wealthy prince who left his province to travel to a distant land where he would be crowned king and then return. Before he departed, he summoned his ten servants together and said, I am entrusting each of you with $50,000. Okay? Ten minas, um, which as Apostle Damon Thompson uh, teaches, and I, actually I believe he taught this recently, um, that's a measurement of weight. So it's not, this applies to money, 100%. Um, but he's not talking about money, to be clear. He's talking about the kingdom. Remember, he's shifting their perspective on kingdom. So he says, another, here's another, I am trusting each of you with a small amount of weight, you could say, to trade while I'm away. Invest it and put it to work until I return. Some of his countrymen despised the prince and sent a delegation after him to declare before the royals, we refuse to let this man rule over us. He will not be our king. Nevertheless, he was crowned king and returned to his land. Then he summoned his ten servants to see how much each one had earned and what their profits came to. The first one came forward and said, Master, I took what you gave me and invested it, and it multiplied ten times. Splendid, you have done well, my excellent servant, because you have shown that you can be trusted in this small matter. I now grant you authority to rule over ten cities. Right? So, so he's talk, he gave them... $50, okay, let's say, uh, or excuse me, $50,000. He gave them a small amount of weight. The first one, invest it, 
gets a return and his reward is ruling 10 cities. Okay, some of y'all can see where this is going. The second came and said, Master, what you left with me has multiplied five times. His master said, I also grant you authority in my kingdom over five cities. Another came before the king and said, Master, here is the money you entrusted me with. I hid it for safekeeping. You see, I live in fear of you. For everyone knows you are a strict master and impossible to please. How many of us, if we're being honest, see God as this, impossible to please? Most of, let me be clear, most of America see that as God. Impossible to please. So we settle for a life of trying to please God because we think he's impossible to please when the reality is, is he's actually pleased with us before we ever do anything to earn pleasure in his eyes. All right, so uh, you see I live in fear of you for everyone knows you are a strict master and impossible to please. You push us for a high return on all that you own and you always want to gain for someone else's efforts. Whew. The king said, you wicked servant, I will judge you using your own words. If what you said about me is true, that I am a harsh man pushing you for a high return and wanting gain from others' efforts, why didn't you at least put my money in the bank? The other translation um, that you could say there is, why didn't you put my money upon a table? And it's a metaphor for where banking transactions take place. So you know when you go to a teller, there's a table, you put the money across, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's what he's talking about. Why didn't you at least put it? And in fact, if you look into the original text, um, another way you could translate that is why didn't you at least put it in the offering? Okay. So uh, he said, take the money he has, and give it to the faithful servant who multiplied my money 10 times over. But master, why give it to him? He already has so much. Yes, replied the king, but to all who have been faithful, even more will be given to them. And for the ones who have nothing, even the little they seem to have will be taken from them. Now bring all those rebellious enemies of mine who rejected me as their king, bring them here before me and execute them. And then he goes, to, I'm going to stop right there. Uh, so he gave three servants, he gave all of them $50,000 to trade. He gave them the same amount of weight. You ready? One got 10 times the amount back. The second one got five times the amount back. The last one hid it out of fear of what would happen if he started trading the weight. So when the master comes back, the first two say, here's your weight back plus 10 or five times more than what you gave me. The last one says, here's your weight back. I was afraid of you. You're impossible to please. I was afraid I would fail. So here's your weight. I hid it. I buried it. Here you go. Here it's back. And what Jesus is teaching us in this moment is really how the kingdom works. The kingdom works, and I said this Tuesday if you watch, but let me just review. Here's how the kingdom works. It's teaching, revelation, you could say, uh, divine revelation, prophetic word, whatever you want to say. I'm going to say teaching. 
It's teaching, truth, and then reality. And I'm, it's seed, time, and harvest is another way you could say that, okay? It's teaching, truth, and reality. This is how the kingdom works. So, uh, in fact, in Genesis 8, after the flood, uh, the Lord speaks this to Noah. And let me um, make sure, and let me just read it. Uh, seed, time, and harvest is, is a lot of what we're going to talk about today. And this is where this comes from. Genesis 8:22 says this. Um, Ham, the father of Canaan, went into the tent, gazed on, excuse me, <clears throat> uh, Genesis 8:22, And I feel like I wrote the wrong verse down. Anyway, the Lord speaks after, uh, oh no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's Genesis 8.22. I was in Genesis 9. Excuse me. I was like, wait, that is not what I read. All right, so Genesis 8.22, I was right. Says, as long as the earth exists, this is God promising to Noah, as long as the earth exists, there will always be seasons of planting and harvest depending on what translation you have, specifically, I believe the New King James, it says seed time and harvest. Um, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. So we, I guess last summer, um, and then after this, I'm, I think I'm gonna go to Luke 13. Uh, so I know I'm bouncing around a little bit, but I just wanna give you some scripture because this is brand new revelation, okay? Uh, it's new, but it's not new at all. So uh, last summer, um, Jordan's dad gave Veda like four different seeds, four different types of seeds. One was butternut squash, the other was cauliflower, and uh, honestly, I forget the other, uh, the other two, but let's just take the first one, butternut squash, okay? So let me ask you this question. This might be more philosophical than it is anything, but let me ask you this question. Uh, if you have the seed of a butternut squash, do you have a butternut squash? Okay, y'all just think about that for a second. Um, I think Ellington took the iPad. Hey, Ellington, are you out there? Somebody run get him. I just need, can you bump this mic down in the monitors just a little bit? Thanks. Um, okay, so think about it. If, if you ask for a butternut squash and you're given the seed, thank you, of a butternut squash, do you have a butternut squash? So this is, this is what happens. So, so we got those seeds, okay? We got the seeds of the butternut squash. We planted them. We don't have a green thumb in any of our family, okay? So what we did was we planted them in soil water them to the best of our ability, usually forgot about them, and then a few months later when we were supposed to have a fully grown butternut squash, do you know what we had? Nothing. So, so we were given the seed of something, but depending on how we tended the seed form of it determined the fullness of what we tasted once it grew. You with me? So... So what he's teaching is, is this is how the kingdom works. Because our image, the image that you and I bear into the globe, is what the globe was designed to respond to. So Jesus came not 
to bring the whole cosmos back into order. He came to make a way for you and I to be back in our rightful place so that you and I could put the cosmos back in order because of the image that you and I bear. So, so when Jesus died, on, for God so loved the cosmos, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. When Jesus died on the cross, did he save the world? See, most people would say yes. However, 30 minutes after Jesus died and was in a tomb, or let's even say 30 minutes after he was resurrected, did the earth look any different? No. There was a resurrected Jesus walking around. He was walking through walls, walking through locked doors. But outside of that, the world looked totally the same. However, most of us would say, and according to John 3, 17, that Jesus on the cross saved the world. So did he save the world or was the world still lost? Yes. So what, ha what happened after the cross and resurrection was that he planted the salvation for the cosmos in 120 that were in an upper room that for 10 days refused to move until he sent what he said he was going to send. He sent it, the Holy Spirit. Peter steps up and says, this is what the prophet Joel prophesied. Now again, the prophet Joel prophesied that in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Only 120 had received the spirit at that point. So Peter, either you're wrong or you're seeing something that a lot of people have missed. This is that that the prophet Joel prophesied. But it's only 120. He said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. 120 get the spirit poured out on their flesh. Peter says, this is the fulfillment of the prophecy. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. How is he saying that? They just received something in seed form that when fully matured what is, was going to be his spirit poured out on all flesh. And 2,000 years later, that seed is still growing and it hasn't reached fulfillment. However, how you honor the seed will 100% of the time determine the, I don't want to say reward, the fruit that comes from that seed. A hundred percent of the time, how you honor what he gives you in seed form will determine how much of that seed in full manifestation that you taste on the other side of it. So, all right, so, so here's real practical, real practical. In, in our society, this is what we like doing, okay? We like going to church, hearing a message, saying, man, brother, that was a great word. I hear all that. Brother, man, that was just a great word. Man, I needed that. And then what do we do? We go home, go back to our lives. Never think twice about it. So, so, what, so literally what we do, the word is a seed. In fact, I'm not going to get into this. You can go study this. The word is like a farmer who casts seed, and then he goes through and talks about the different types of soil that the seed lands on. What's the seed? The word of the Lord. The different types of soil the seed lands on. And depending on the soil determines what kind of fruit 
what kind of manifestation, what kind of revelation, whatever, what kind of um, growth comes from the word that was planted. Same word. The only difference is the soil that received it. There was only one type of soil that honored the word that was sown, and it was a soil that was good soil. What happened? It grew up just like it was supposed to grow up. So what we do is we'll hear a word. We do this a lot in the prophetic community even. We'll get a prophetic word that we're like, man, that word, that is for me. We Maybe we'll write it down, and then we'll go, I'm guilty. Of it. We'll go home, put it on a shelf, never think twice about it. And what we're missing is we think, for whatever reason, I think it's just lack of knowledge, but we think that the Lord gives us a fully matured fruit. And on rare occasions, he does. But most of the time, he doesn't give us a fully matured fruit. He gives us the seed because we are co-laborers with Christ. If, if, if all he did was give us the full fullness of every single thing we were designed for, it would create apathetic Christians. And it's exactly why we have a bunch of apathetic Christians right now. It's because we've sat back and said, Lord, uh, Lord, come cure coronavirus. And then we'll sit around and we, man, why hasn't he cured coronavirus? M- maybe, maybe, I'm about to get a lot of email. Maybe he planted the seed for divine health in every single believer, but because we dishonored it, we're tasting the fruit of what we have dishonored for years. In America, most, most theology today, most theology right now is being built on how do we convince people that the Lord doesn't heal anymore and he doesn't speak anymore. In America, most theology is being currently being built on how can we trick people to think he doesn't heal anymore. That's what it's built on. And then... We have the audacity to question God and why he's not bringing healing into America. He did bring healing into America. It was a seed that we threw in the trash. And so we're wondering why, man, why are we tasting, why are the trees producing leaves that are for the healing of the nation? Because he gave you the seed of the tree that its leaves would produce the healing for the nations, but we didn't water it. We didn't put it in good soil. We threw it on the ground, stomped on it, and said, we don't really need that, and then wonder why we don't have any leaves. Let me just, just real, this is just, you know, basic understanding. If you're five years old, you're about to understand this, okay? If somebody gives me an apple tree seed, I take the seed, throw it in the garbage. A year later, come back and then say, man, where's that apple tree? Should have been grown by now. If I said that to you, you would say, hey, Josh, you're crazy. That's what you would say, right? I see people all the time right now with what's going on in the world. Lord, where are you? Lord, why aren't you moving? Lord, why why are you allowing this? And he's saying, I'm not allowing this. You are. Don't send me an email. Do not. Don't comment. You know what I'm saying? This, this is truth. He, why, Lord, why are you allowing? No, 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 no. Why are you allowing? All right, Josh, prove it. Here we go. Psalm 8. Psalm 8, Psalm 8, Psalm 8. You ready? You ready? None of y'all were ever, t- most of y'all, most, 
We're never taught this growing up. Um, here we go. Yet what honor you have given to men. Now, let me, let me just translate. Men means you and I, men and women, man, okay? Yet what honor you have given men created only a little lower than Elohim. By the way, that's the Hebrew word used for creator God in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God. Do you know what that word is in the Hebrew? Elohim. Okay. Created only slightly lower than Elohim, crowned like kings and queens with glory and magnificence. Listen to this. You have delegated to them, who's them? You and I. Mastery over all you have made, making everything subservient to their authority. Uh oh. Placing earth itself under the feet of your image bearers. Now that's that's where we're going right there, okay? All the created order, every living thing of the earth, sky, sea, the wild beast, all the sea creatures, coronavirus, everything is in submission to who? Adam's sons. Whew. We we missed that one. Right? Lord, where are Lord, where are you? Psalm 8, David would say, hold up. He put everything in submission to you. So, all right. I, so I'm the pastor of this church, obviously. We have one staff member, Ellington. Okay, he was just up here leading worship. All right. So I am the authority over Ellington. I'm his boss. Okay. That's the case. If Ellington misses a paycheck, who's responsible for that? Is it the government who prints money? Or is it me, the authority over Ellington? Of course, it's me. Why? Because I am the authority over him. The Lord delegated to you and I authority over the globe. So when something's happening in the globe... The first place we need to start is the ones who have the authority over the globe, you and I. This is not popular. I get it. But this is it's true. I just read it to you. It's in your Bible. Open it up. Psalm 8. Okay? So if something's happening in the globe, whose responsibility is it to fix it? Is it God or is it God in us? Okay, y'all with me? I know I can, I, I'm looking straight into the camera. I can see some of y'all's heads just spinning, okay? Why would he make us in his image? Unless the earth was designed to see God in us and respond to God because of how much of him they see in us. So much, so much, so much, so much, so much. Uh, making everything subservient to their authority, placing earth itself under the feet of your image bearers. Um, let's go real quick to Romans eight nineteen. 
And, uh, and then I'm just going to talk for a second. Romans 8, 19. I'll let you get there. <clears throat> and, then, uh, and then we'll go to Luke 13. I promise we're going to just hang out for a minute. Romans 8, 19. Some of y'all probably have this memorized by how many times I've taught on this. All right, Romans 8, 19. The, if y'all have breakfast, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. All right, bring it in. Uh, Romans 8, 19. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe. The Greek word there means intense anticipation. Here's the other way it could be translated. Anxiously anticipating what's about to happen. Okay? So the entire universe is anxiously awaiting to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now, with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in contractions of labor for childbirth. And it's not just creation. We who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit also inwardly groan as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed. This is the hope of our salvation. I'm not going to chase this rabbit, I promise you. However, however, some of y'all think that this is how the future looks. You're going to die, your ghost spirit's going to float off with a harp into outer space. Uh Uh-oh including our physical bodies being transformed. That's the hope of our salvation. Okay, so I'm gonna let y'all chew on that one for a little bit. Um, He says this in Luke 13, and I'm gonna stop right here. Okay, Luke 13, Luke 13. I know this is a lot, but I'm doing this because y'all are all at home, and most of y'all are just on the Bible app anyway, so you can just really quickly just flip there. Luke 13, verse 18. Remember where we started. Okay, seed, time, and harvest. Seed, time, and harvest. What you do with what you hear, spiritually, literally, in teaching, what you do with what you hear determines what you will see. Jesus taught them this parable. How can I describe God's kingdom realm? Let me illustrate it this way. It is like the smallest of seeds that you would plant in a garden. And when it grows, it becomes a huge tree with so many spreading branches that various birds can nest there. Dr. Brian Simmons has a note right here. The obvious meaning of this parable is that God's kingdom realm will begin small, 
but it will expand, grow, and mature. Then he says this, how can I describe God's kingdom realm? Let me give you this illustration. Verse 21, it is like something as small as yeast that a woman kneads into a large amount of dough. It works unseen until it permeates the entire batch and rises high. Okay? All right. All right. So, so what is the kingdom? Fire and explosions. Hold up. I love fire. What's the kingdom? He said, it's just like a seed. And what you do with that seed determines what you see in the kingdom. Right? It's like a batch of yeast. So what does he do? He takes 120, puts them in an upper room. The entire globe is standing on tiptoe, yearning for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. Why would Jesus not rise from the dead, float up in the air, summon all of his people to come back and say, I'm going to do signs and wonders and miracles. Everybody believe and then everything be put back right. Because that's not what he intended to do. Jesus rises from the grave and says, I'm going to give 120 people access to what I had access to while I was on the earth. And as those 120 pieces of yeast start working themselves into the cosmos, all of a sudden the entire globe will begin to rise. Why? Because one small amount of yeast was transforming the entire batch of dough. Prove it, okay? Genesis 6, the world goes completely wrong. And he says, I'm going to do away with this. I'm going to start all over. I'm going to scrap everything. I'm sorry I created it. Except there was one problem. There was a righteous man, one, on the entire earth, One righteous man. And the Lord says, if there's one righteous man, I'm not going to destroy it. I'm actually going to purify it and plant that one righteous man into the earth. Because I believe that where you plant the smallest of seeds, it will grow into a huge tree with birds from everywhere able to nest on it. You with me? So we think we've got to win the earth in our lifetime. And I'm telling you, that is not how the kingdom works. The kingdom works by you and I being transformed into the image of God. And as that image works itself into your job, into where you go to school, into church, into your community, as that image is worked into that dough, all of a sudden you'll start seeing the entire batch of dough look like the yeast that was planted into it. Right? You take away yeast out of a batch of dough. You know what you get? Crackers. It's flat. However, however, if you put a small amount of yeast into a batch of dough, you know what you get? Bread. Right? You could, you could, have, you could have, let's see, like you could have that amount of dough for bread and put a couple of drops of yeast in it and it'll change the whole batch. Why? Because the yeast is powerful. Hello. So, so if you get a couple of 
halfway label-only Christians and you start planting them into the earth, nothing's going to happen. However, you get some image bearers planted into the earth and all of a sudden you're going to start to see that whole batch of dough start to rise. Think about this. (laughs) Why did Jesus become flesh? All right, all right. Just, just think, just think. What, what was it about man that God said, in order to set man free, I'm going to have to become man? Remember Psalm 8. Remember Psalm 8. Remember Psalm 8. He delegated mastery over his creation to the sons of Adam. So Yeshua had to become a son of Adam in order to set the cosmos on a track that was good rather than evil. So what he did, he became flesh, dwelt among us, dies on a cross as us, rises again, and then lays the groundwork for every single piece of flesh, you and I, to live as he lived in flesh. Jesus didn't come as some like divine floaty being that got killed on the cross, he came and looked just like us. In fact, he looked so normal that everybody didn't believe he was the Messiah because he looked so normal. Aren't you just that carpenter? Aren't you just Joseph's son? Gotta be demonic. He he looked so normal because he knew if one man fled, if one man could ever bear the image like he bore the image, it would start working itself into the cosmic order and send it on another trajectory. This, this is huge. I know you're at home. I know you got coffee around you, but I'm telling what you do with this, what you and I do with this will determine what we see the rest of the year. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, what we do with this revelation will determine what we see. If we take this and we say, man, that was a good sermon, turn, go ahead and turn it off. That's not what I'm going after. I, I want this, I want this to plant within you and you start thinking, you know what? What if I look like Jesus? I, re- I think a lot of times, I think we need to stop thinking about how we can do the work of Jesus And instead, we really need to focus on if we even look like Jesus in the first place. You know what I mean? You got got so many ministries. We need to to heal. We need to do. And I think we need to do all that stuff, right? But so many ministries around the globe that I used to run with and follow and all that stuff. And they're doing great stuff. It's like, how can we save the world? How can we save Columbia? How can we do this? How can we heal the sick? And I'm like, if you'd ever look like the one that did that stuff, it would be effort. We wouldn't have to have a meeting about saving the world. The world would be saved if you look like the one who intended to save the world through us. So we've got to stop thinking, man, how can we save Columbia? How can we save Columbia? How can we save Columbia? Get in the secret place and start glowing in the dark, and I promise you we'll save Columbia. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so <in your> people. <laughs> Oh, man, that was Kyrie. Some of y'all knew that, but. But, so, all right, so Genesis 1 says this. uh, God said, let us make man and woman in our image and to be like us. 
Let us make a man and a woman in our image to be like us. Let them reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, over the creatures that creep along the ground, over the wild animals. So God created a man and woman and shaped them with his image inside them. In his own beautiful image, he created his masterpiece. God blessed them and said, reproduce and be fruitful, populate the earth and subdue it. Populate the earth and subdue it. Remember what I say all the time. He put in the DNA of every creature that you can only reproduce what you are, right? If you go through the account of Genesis, he, in every single account, he says, reproduce of the same kind, reproduce of the same kind, reproduce of the same kind. And then he created man and woman in his image and said, reproduce and subdue the earth. How are they going to subdue the earth? By reproducing those who look like the one who created the earth in the first place. So when Adam said, I call you lion, because Adam named all the animals. When Adam said, I call you lion, some of you have heard this. What he did, the Lord brought a, I don't know what it was, a blob, I don't know, but he brought this thing to Adam And in the Hebrew, when Adam said the name, so lion, it grew all of the traits that we know of lions as. He literally gave them identity. How did he do that? Because the words coming out of his mouth were the same words coming out of the mouth of the one that said, let there be light, and it responded. Well, Josh, man, I I just don't know about that. Let us make man in our image and likeness. If my voice is different than his, can you say I am like him? No. Right? So we've got to, we have to stop letting theology that floats around America to keep people apathetic and feeling good about being apathetic. We've got to get that stuff out of our thinking. What he has brought us into is marvelous light, not halfway bright darkness, right? Right, so 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 we hear on the news, CNN. First off, don't watch CNN, don't watch Fox News. Lord, don't watch the local news. I heard, I heard, I won't say who, because I honor and respect this person. A local official say, a local official said, this was, I'm gonna quote, and I quote, we're heading into the darkest days of this. And I said, hold up. And then I remembered, on my license plate and your license plate, do you know what it says? While I breathe, I hope. Okay? Brother, we're heading into the darkest times of this. Well, uh, I mean, no, no. Not if I'm here. Right? However, however, we hear that stuff and we start hunkering down. You know what I mean? Somebody go to the store and get all the masks. I don't know how we're going to do this. <laughs> right? But there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. A thousand might fall at my side. Ten thousand my right hand. It can't come near me. So we hear this stuff. 
We hear this stuff. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I know a lot of people who used to use that as their Facebook status on a daily. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Then coronavirus hits and you're like, everyone stay home. We're doomed. And I'm like, hold up. I thought no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Don't make that about ISIS. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's real easy. It's real easy. It's real easy for us to say, like, man, North Korea, no weapon. I mean, North. Then we get a virus. Right? Man, my business, my business is not going to make it. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. So if it ain't making it, that means he didn't start it in the first place. But if he did, Right? I think, I think the Lord's revealing a lot, of, a lot of truth right now. And if you will have the grace to see it, you will have the eyes to see it and honor what he's giving you in seed form. Some people right now, yeah, some people right now, right now are losing your jobs. You're, some people have lost their jobs. Let me prophet, tell you, if the Lord allowed you, if you're in him, this, let me, this applies to if you're in him. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't know him from the backside of a barnyard, take this and, and do whatever you want to it. I'm talking about if you have a relationship with Jesus, if he let you leave that job, it's only because he's got something for you that you could not find in that job. Right? So stop. And it's, well, Josh, that's easy for you to say. Yeah, it is. Because we trusted him with everything. We, when we started this church, this is what my, the quote I said, and people hate this, but I'm like, either he's good or we're going homeless. We're about to find out. I mean, literally, when we started this church, our family, some of my family, if you're watching, Jordan's mom specifically, if you're watching this, you did not like this. But, right? It's like, well, who, who, you know, Josh, what's your financial plan? He's good. You know, you know what I mean? Like, man, people, yeah, but, I mean, I, I get it, but what's your backup plan? I don't know. He's good. I mean, I, you know what I mean? I don't know what you're telling. And so it got to the point where I was like, here's the, here's the, here's the thing. Either he's good or, or literally we're about to lose everything, but at least we'll know. And here we are. You know what? So, so you say, well, Josh, that's easy for you to say. You're not losing your job. Nope, I'm not, because I trust. And you should too. Amen. Okay. How did I even get there? All right. So he said, reproduce and be fruitful, populate the earth and subdue it. Reign over everything, every creature on earth. I give you every seed bearing plant, vegetables, fruit bearing trees, seeds within it. They'll be your fruit. Um, and uh, I give you. Excuse me. They will also be food for every animal, bird, every creature that moves on the ground, every creature with the breath of life. And so it happened. God surveyed all that he made and said, I love it, for it pleased him greatly. Evening gave way to morning, day six. God's plan for the cosmos, God's plan for the cosmos is not destruction. God's plan for the cosmos is regeneration. Let me say it like this, resurrection. His plan for the earth is not destruction, it's resurrection. So, so stop seeing, it, it just, I, just blows my mind, like, man, oh, he's coming back. You know, another, another thousand people died from this virus. He, y'all, get ready, get ready. 
I'm like, number one, you sh- we should be ready, okay? There ain't no getting, so you just, just, you're ready, okay? But number two, can, let, me just, let me just prophetically, theologically, brainly say this to you, okay? You ready? You ready? A virus will not initiate the second coming of Yeshua. To be clear, do you you know what's going to initiate the second coming of Yeshua? The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And then he's coming back to reign. How are the kingdoms of this earth going to become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ? How is it going to happen? Okay? It's like the smallest of seeds that you would plant in a garden. When it grows, it becomes a huge tree with so many spreading branches that various birds make nests there. What's he going to do? He's going to transform you and I into his image, and then he's going to plant us in, let's say, Columbia, South Carolina. As lost as all get out is our city right now. Lost. I don't care how many people show up to church this week. Well, I guess nobody's at church this week, which is, might be very proper. No, um, um, just joking, just joking, just joking, just joking, just joking. My email's gonna be closed for the next two weeks. Um, right? So, so we, think, we think church attendance you know, does all this stuff. What he's gonna do is he's not gonna plant a bunch of churches. He's gonna plant some image bearers. Right? I, I personally, I personally wish we, and it's kind of funny because, you know, we're, we planted a church. If, the, if there was a kingdom, if this was here, we would not have planted this church. Let me be clear. But what he longs to do is not plant more churches. We got churches. What he longs to do is so save the ones that are in those churches that they actually start looking like they're saved, which means they would bear the image again. Remember, you can only recreate of the same kind. So if we're recreating apathetic Christians, we have to stop asking, where is God when coronavirus moves into our nation? Do you know why coronavirus is spreading now in America? This is very, I mean, I'm telling you, Right now, America is the worst, officially, the worst hit nation for this virus on anywhere on planet Earth. Ironically, on every piece of currency we have, it says, in God we trust. And to my knowledge, I don't think any other country, I could be wrong, probably Israel, but outside of them, I could be wrong, I don't think any other nation was so founded on God that they have God on their currency, I, I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, let me know, okay? But we, we were built to be a nation that is a Christian nation that trusts in the Lord. Somehow, in 2020, a nation that put their hope in the Lord originally is now the hardest hit country. And to be clear, we have the most proficient scientists and doctors and medical capabilities of anywhere on planet earth too it makes no sense unless we've turned away from the lord and turning away from the lord we stopped bearing his image and instead started bearing the image of those we were trying to be relevant to so it's not it's 
It is not the, let me, I just want to fix this. We have to stop saying, Lord, why are you allowing this to happen? He's not. He planted you and I as a seed in this country so that by our image, which should be his image, by our image, creation starts being brought out of its chaos, which is susceptible to sickness and disease and decay and all that other stuff. It's brought out of its chaos and into the order in the garden where nothing was even relevant except the man and Yahweh walking together in the cool of the day. As long as that walk in the cool of the day was on the schedule, all of creation was in order. But the moment, the moment that that walk in the cool of the day became a meeting canceled on their calendar, you know what creation started doing? Started spinning in chaos. Where was creation before Genesis 1-1? Spinning in chaos. So, so what was the difference? What was the difference? The image. What was the difference? The image. Uh, Romans 8, in that same chapter I was reading earlier, Romans 8 says we were predestined. In fact, let me, let me just read this just for the fun of it for my brothers and sisters. Um, Romans 8, uh, 29. Romans 8, 29 says this. For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined, most of your Bibles say predestined, us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. I want to just quote, you know, Damon right now. I believe in predestination a thousand percent. We were predestined to be in the image of his son. Right? A lot of people read that. See that? Right there, right there. Only a handful are going to make it. No, 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 no. No. All are predestined to look like the Son. Why? Because all were created in the image of God. Let me say it like this. Every baby that is born is sinless. They are. They have no consciousness of sin. I mean, they might do some stuff that you don't want them to do. They're not sinners. Why? Because they were created in the image of God. And then what happens? There comes a point where they, in full knowledge, make the decision rather than looking like God, instead I'm going to choose to look like sin. Same thing Adam and Eve did. Okay? And that's when flesh becomes sinful. But to be clear, sin has no authority at all. The devil's not causing this virus. The devil wasn't causing Hurricane Katrina. The devil didn't cause Hurricane Florence. I like to call it Thundershower Florence, right? The, the, de the devil's not causing any of that stuff. Some of y'all need to stop. The, the, de the, the devil is causing that stuff? No, no, no. What's happening is, is man starts looking like an image that we weren't designed to look like, and the result of that is a creation in decay and chaos, Creation is just responding to your image. It's just the wrong image. But it ain't the devil. It's a response to your image. Remember Psalm 8. Remember, Psalm 8 was written before Jesus. Psalm 8 was written before Jesus came and said everything right. And in Psalm 8, in the old covenant, David said, you placed all the created order 
under the feet of Adam's sons. That was before the resurrection. So if sin is running wild in the world, it's not because the devil's out partying. The devil's locked up. If sin is running around wild in the world, it's because you and I aren't bearing the image that would bring the world back into order. I hope y'all are with me. Are y'all still with me? I know I'm not preaching a lot of tweetable phrases right now like I was earlier, but... So seed time and harvest, seed time and harvest. What we are in right now in this day and age is seed. Uh, I heard this prophetic word. I think this was Dutch Sheets. Um, I don't know if any of y'all know him. When he speaks, it's like that. You know, the Lord said. I no, just one of those. You know, it's like it sounds like the voice of the Lord. But anyway, I heard him say uh, that uh, the Lord gave him a word that ba- basically what happens over the next 10 years will be greater than what's happened over the past 2,000 years. What, what, what we walk into over the next 10 years will push the kingdom further than the past 2,000 years. I, I totally feel great about that and believe that. You know why? Because we are in a season right now where God in little companies of people that have no influence compared to other people, have no influence, have no big brand name, have no popular worship band, have no big name preachers. Lord knows I'm not one of those, have, right? And so he's going into places like this and he's planting seeds. And this, so this is where we are. We are in the process right now of inheriting in seed form a new image. Remember the word he gave me a couple of weeks ago? We were in a season of re-identification. Now we're in a season of he's close and accessible. That's the phrase he gave me, right? And then he starts talking to us about living water. And now what it means to bear the image. What is living water? When you taste a drink of the water that comes from Jesus all of a sudden you become a source of that water. So you don't just taste it, you become the source for other people to taste it. That's exactly what image bearing is. So he sent the same spirit that was in Christ Jesus to live in us. Why? So that not only would we look like Jesus, we would operate like Jesus because the same power that was in Jesus is in us. That's where we get verses like, all who believe in me will do the works I do and greater works. Where does that verse come from? Is he talking about salvation? Sure. He's also talking about healing the sick. He's also talking about raising the dead. He's also talking about casting out demons. Why why is he saying all that? Because I look like him. And if I look like him, I can do everything he did. And you can do everything he did. And we should be doing everything he did. But the first step is looking like him. And I promise you, I'm not there yet. You're not there yet. And a lot of us are not there yet. That's okay. We have it in seed form. So what he's doing right now is he's saying, what you do with this seed will determine how much you see. Another way you could say that, what you do with this seed will determine how much you look like the image you're supposed to look like. So here, what's the seed? Here's the seed. You're called to bear the image of God. And the only way creation gets brought out of its chaos is you and I looking like what we were designed to look like, Yahweh. Okay? 
So, so how does that happen? We hear this, we hear this word, okay? Apostolic, prophetic, evangelist, teacher, preacher. All the, this is why this is so important is that the Lord will download something in me, Ellington, Paul, Smith, whoever, he'll download something, we'll release that, and what we're actually doing is we're casting seed. And we have to be very careful that we don't honor the seed more than we honor the harvest that comes when we take the seed and it begins to grow within us. So a lot of people will chase after a preacher and you never see fruit from their life. Why? Because they're always getting seed. They're never taking the time to tend the seed that was in them in the first place. What is, the, what is it um, that people say a lot? Um, a lot of people are praying for another prophetic word and you didn't do anything with the first one yet. Is that kind of like what people say? Right? Same concept, right? A lot of y'all are praying for, a, for another word. You didn't do anything with the word I preached two years ago. And so that's why, so every, so that's why every, every week, like, man, man, great word, great word, great word. And then Tuesday hits, and you're around people who are bringing you down. You're like, you know what, man, let's just all go out and drink tonight. Or like, whatever. You know what I mean? But why? Because you hear something, and instead of letting that be planted within the soil of who you are, and you start watering and tending and making sure it's got enough sunlight. I could be a dad and say S-O-N, sunlight. Make it, right? Instead of tending it, instead of tending it, what we do is because it doesn't have an immediate effect, we say that must not have been from the Lord. And I'm telling you right now, if it doesn't have an immediate effect, that is a marker that it probably is from the Lord. I know, I, I know this isn't popular. I know, right? If you, if you get a word and immediately your gut reaction is, is like, oh, okay. I would stop and I'd really check what just happened. I'm not talking about this moment. I'm talking about any moment you're around any believer. Somebody gives you a prophetic word and you're like, eh, maybe. I'd stop because the truth is, is that he probably just gave you something as a seed. Seeds are not, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, extravagant. No, nobody says like, y'all check this out. I just got a bag full of seeds, you, right? You don't, you don't go to the farmer's market and walk up to like Soda City. You don't go to Soda City. Boy, I miss Soda City. We need to get this thing back rolling. But you don't go to Soda City Walk up to a farmer's table and he's like, man, I, I mean, maybe, maybe this exists, I don't know. But walk up and say like, man, I just got, I got pumpkin seeds, apple seeds, all that stuff. And people are just like flocking, like, man, yes, right? What are they, what are they flocking to? Fruit, why? Because they can take it and eat it right then and there. You know what I'm saying? So there, there's immediate satisfaction. And, and, and this is the issue this is the issue with where the church is right now. You ready? This is the issue. Is that the transformation that it's going to take to bring America out of its chaos, the transformation is going to come in a form that no one likes. That's the, that is the number one issue with what's going on in the kingdom right now in America is that right now we have built churches, and I'm not saying this to bash anybody. I'm just like, I, I am a spiritual father for a group of people. So this is just truth. 
All right? So we've built churches off of immediate satisfaction. Boy, 5,000 got saved today. We'll post it on Instagram, tag all the other pastors that only had 1,000 saved that day, just so they know we got more. You know what I'm saying? So we'll go to Easter. We'll go to Easter. We're coming up on Easter. How do I say this? I really want us to be back in person on Easter. However, there's another part of me that prays maybe it's not until the week after just so we can avoid that whole thing. I don't like, I, don't, I really don't like celebrating Easter. I, well, I love celebrating Easter. I don't like the way the church has made Easter. We took the resurrection and made it a ploy to market other people, to bring people in so that at the end of the year, when we take the average attendance of our church, we've got one day and probably Christmas that are way skyrocketed so that we can bump the average of our attendance at church and say, man, look how many people we had. We, we, take, we took the resurrection of Jesus Christ and made it a marketing scheme. That's what we did. So I don't even like it. There's billboards all over coming. Come to this place on Easter. Come to this place on Easter. Come to this place on Easter. And I'm thinking, where are y'all at the other days? Right? It doesn't matter. We just want a large crowd on Easter. We want grandma and granny to come home. We're going we're, to we're make sure the service is extra short so y'all can get home to the potluck. And I'm saying, if we're going to have a service on Easter, that bad boy's going to be four hours long. You know what I'm saying? The pot, bring the potluck. I'll eat it. But that, that ain't what we do. And that's not what Jesus does. Okay? So, so, so we build. We build. I can, I can hear the emails just right. I can hear the typing. The, the, and I love it. I, love, I just go further when y'all do this. So keep going. But so we, we have built this off of immediate satisfaction. I mean, we do this in our personal lives. We, we live, the reason people are struggling so much with this two-week I don't know, like, uh, what, not isolation, but what's it called, Dis- social distancing? The, the reason that, see, I love it. Because, like, I like dist- distancing anyway. Like, it's just like, I just like doing that. But, so I'm, go- I'm cool. But for most of us, for most of us, this past two weeks has been like death. Why? Because we live our lives for immediate satisfaction. And then the Lord allows us to get in a place where you're going to have to sit and actually talk to people for a little bit. We don't know what to do, right? And, and so the way the Lord is going to transform America, it's not going to be immediate. He's going to plant some yeast. And you don't see it. It don't have a million Instagram followers. Its, it's doors aren't packed out. It's going to be a handful of people saying, if it costs me everything, I'll take his feet. Martha, Martha, you are busy worrying about many things, but one thing is required, and Mary has chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken from her. What does she choose? What does she choose? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. There's all this stuff we could be doing to prepare for Jesus, and the only thing he cares about is where you're seated. Hello, okay? So he's gonna plant seeds or yeast in a handful of people that the rest of the world is going to say, the Lord's not doing anything in there because they haven't grown in two years. It's the same, they have the same 20 people the past two years. They, the Lord's not doing anything. 
And while they're saying that, those 20 people got fire dancing on their heads. And they're inheriting the blueprint for the transformation of the cosmos because we're satisfied with his feet and looking like him way more than how many people can we pack in this place. Because when we get in that, I, instead of being a, an apostolic whatever teacher, instead of that, I have to move into event organizing. And so my messages aren't, we got to bear the image. It's not, you know what my messages at that point would be? Man, he just, he just loves you. Ooh, he just loves you. Man, there's grace. Man, there's so much joy. There's so much joy. Then you'll start playing some smooth pad. If you'll, if you'll just repeat, if you'll just repeat after me, I can't promise you life will be good. You're gonna suffer. You're gonna get coronavirus. Right? The Lord don't talk, he well, he won't talk to you. He, he's, he's in outer space. So unless you've got a rocket ship, you'll never see him. But boy, when that trumpet sounds, you go, right? It's like, Josh, that's exaggerating. Hmm? I've been in some services, right? But boy, right? We, we made the blessed hope the trumpet sounding. I'm telling you what, if that's the blessed hope, y'all gonna miss the blessed hope. I, I talked to somebody. I talked to somebody once, and it's like, man, this, this is just this is a pic. The church today is a picture of what the church is going to look like after the rapture. And I didn't say anything, but I was like, boy, I hope not. Y'all going to pass him on his way down, right? I'm not planning on leaving. I'm planning on staying. I'm planning on being here when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ and reigning with Him forever here. He doesn't desire to be there. He actually desires to be here. Let, let me really mess with you. Let me really mess with you. He desires to be here more than He desires to be in heaven. Put that on a coffee mug, right? He, he desired, well, Josh, I don't know about that. For God so loved the cosmos, he sent his son from the heavenly realm into the natural realm to set it free. Why would he do that if he didn't want to be here? Unless he really wanted to be here. He paid a big price for something that a lot of us think he doesn't care anything about. Unless he paid the big price for something because it was worth it to him. Are y'all with me? So, so how, how is this thing going to get good? How is coronavirus going to get fixed? All right? I'm sure they're working on a vaccine. I'm sure they're working on medication. And listen, I, great, whatever. They can do whatever they want. I'm going to tell you right now, you know the way this thing's going to get fixed? For good? The way we're not, because they're talking about right now, they're, they're working on a vaccine because they fully believe that next winter, this thing's going to come right back around and hit us again. They call it, I think, cyclical or a, a, a cycle or, you know, whatever, whatever the terminology they use. So right now they're working on a vaccine so that when this thing comes back into our country next year, we'll all be immune. And I'm telling you, if you'll start looking, I know, I know, if you'll start looking like Jesus, Jesus had no issue hugging a man covered in leprosy. Leprosy was a lot more contagious than coronavirus. However, I missed the chapter where Jesus had to go take something because he caught leprosy because he hugged a leprous man. 
I missed that one. Why? It ain't in there. So if I'm going to look like him, that means I'm going to be immune to the stuff he was immune to. That's, That's help, right? That's why I say healing is nothing in the kingdom. Because if you look enough like Jesus, you'll start. Peter, Peter wasn't Jesus, and yet his shadow healed people. Let me really mess with you. Jesus, at least we don't have it recorded that Jesus' shadow ever healed anybody. Well, Josh, you know, a woman touched the hem of his garment. That's great. Nobody touched Peter, and yet they were healed. Greater things you will do than I did. All who believe in me will do the works I do, and greater works. Why? I didn't come to to fix the cosmos, I came to fix the image for the ones who are going to fix the cosmos. This is this is burning, 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 burning in me. I was thinking about this 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 morning as I was driving in, and I could literally feel fire just just flowing through my veins. I had almost had to pull over. I pulled, I got on Elmwood, and I almost had to stop the car because I, I just began to weep in the presence of God and just could. Feel him all over me, and I could feel. It's 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 almost like. It's almost like you're um. You're digging in a field for gold, and that moment when your shovel hits that clink that. You know, in the movies and stuff. Because I don't think there's buried gold right now, but you know what I'm saying. Like in the movies, uh, digging, 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 and all of a sudden, boom. That moment, you realize. We just found what we were looking for. That, that's as he began to download this stuff to me, and I haven't even scratched the surface. I've got notes after notes after notes. As he began to download this stuff for me, I had that moment. Boom. Because a lot, a lot of Christians have struggled with the question why is God allowing this to happen? I've seen pastors struggle with it, I've seen believers struggle with it. People have struggled. How do we answer that question? I can answer it. He didn't do it. We just don't look like him. Well, Joshua, you're saying we don't have enough faith? No, 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 no. I'm saying you don't have the image. Because if you had the image, I promise you, you'd have enough faith. It's not a faith issue. It's not a belief issue. It's not a, it's not a trust issue. At the core of it, it's an image issue. You, you look like, you look like, what you spend your time looking at. You look like what you spend your time looking at. That's why it's such an issue that people only show up to church on Easter and Christmas. I, I hate that. I, I despise it. I'd rather people not show up at all. You know why I hate it? Because that, that is not what we're doing. We're doing cosmic transformation. That cannot happen twice a year. And it's Sundays getting together, Tuesdays getting together, throughout the week getting together, making sure we're all staying connected. Why? Because we're all being transformed into an image that none of us looked like before. However, we've been given the seed of. And so there's going to be moments and seasons where I'm like, hey, the rain's really falling right now. What do I need to do to tend this seed? And I call Ellington and he says, well, actually, I went through that. And this is what you could do to tend the seed in this season. And, and, and so all of a sudden, community becomes this communal tending of everybody's seeds. And when it grows, we all have a field of image bearers. 
And as that field grows, what does most fruit have in it? Let's say you bite into an apple. You know what's inside an apple? I think three other seeds, at least two, I think. But there's other seeds in an apple, right? So you get the fruit, but then within the fruit, you get seeds for other fruit. That's how the kingdom grows. It's that I produce who I am. So if I'm an image bearer, I start producing other image bearers. How do I start producing other image bearers? By them looking at me. I've got to preach a message. I hope we get to the day where I can stand up here on this stage or anybody else can stand up here on this stage and we say five words and all of a sudden the power of God move through the room because all of us have such an image of God on our lives that those five words were enough to send us into the next dimension of glory. Some of y'all are like, man, I wish that was today because, man, these messages are getting long. I'm like, they will, I promise you, they will be long until we start looking like we need to look like. Because that, when I stand before the Lord, he is not going to ask me how big my church got. In fact, he might ask me why I submitted myself to the idea that success is how big my church got. But you know what he is going to ask me? He's going to ask me how many times I compromise my image to relate to someone else. How many times did I try to be cool and relevant to the culture rather than relevant to the kingdom culture that I'm trying to host here just so that I could draw a crowd? He don't care. You know what he cares about? How relevant you can be to him. How many times can you be in devotion and all of a sudden angels start flying around the room and seraphim start flying around the room? This morning I stood in here, y'all would have thought I was an idiot. I was dancing with the Lord right here. I can't dance to y'all, to him. I'm the best dancer on earth because he don't care about the dance. He cares about the dancer. He don't care about the song you sing. He just cares about the singer. He don't care about the preacher or the word, excuse me. He don't care about the word the preacher gives. He cares about the preacher. Some of y'all spend a lot of time, so I know because I know a lot of pastors are watching. I love y'all. Some of y'all spend a lot of time planning a message I spend most of my time trying to look like Jesus. Let me just show y'all something real quick. Guess what I don't have today? Notes. You know what I have? A list of all the scriptures I want to read. That's it. I have no notes today. You know why? Because I'm, I'm spending most of my time trying to look like the one that when I speak, I could say Krispy Kreme's open and half y'all get hit with a revelation that I could have never given you by teaching you a sermon. Because it's not about what I say, it's about the image I bear. You, you know what I mean? I shouldn't use Krispy Kreme because some of y'all are hungry. All right, last thing, and then I'm done. Well, brother, is 12.15. Okay, great. Um, why do I do that? Well, I, don't, I mean, nobody even talks like that. I think a lot of people I grew up with talk like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you what? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, well, brother, King James. All right. Um, that's just fun. The funny part is, is I'm probably going to be that like voice when I get older. So, all right. Well, Veda, you know, you know what the Bible says about tattoos. All right. Song of Songs 7. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many older people think King James is divine revelation. I'm like, huh? sorry. All right. All right. King James is great. Um, Song of Songs 7 says this. I haven't forgotten about Song of Songs, by the way. I'm just trying to get us there. It says this, how beautiful on the mountains are the sandaled feet of this one bringing such good news. Daniel, you can go ahead and hop up here, by the way. Thanks, dude. 
Um, just bump it down a little bit. You know, the, you know the drill. How beautiful on the mountains are the sandaled feet of this one bringing such good news. You are true royalty. The way you walk so gracefully in my ways displays such dignity. You are truly the poetry of God, his very handiwork. Listen to this right here. Out of your innermost being is flowing the fullness of my spirit, never failing to satisfy. Living water. Within your womb, there is a birthing of harvest wheat. They are the sons and daughters nurtured by the purity you impart. Within your womb, there is a birthing of wheat. What is it? Sons and daughters that are nurtured by the purity you impart. Let me say it like this. That are nurtured by the image you bear. How gracious you have become. Your life stands as tall as a tower, like a shining light on a hill. Your revelation eyes are pure like the pools of refreshing, sparkling light for a multitude. Such discernment surrounds you, protecting you from the enemy's advance. Redeeming love crowns you as royalty. Your thoughts are full of life, wisdom, and virtue. Even a king is held captive by your beauty. How delicious is your fair beauty. It cannot be described. Remember, this is Jesus speaking to you, okay? As I count the delights you bring to me, love has become the greatest. You stand in victory above the rest, stately and secure as you share with me your vineyard of love. Now I decree, I will ascend and arise. I will take hold of you with my power, possessing every part of my fruitful bride. Your love I will drink as wine. Your words will be mine. Your words will be mine. For your kisses of love are exhilarating more than any delight I've known before. Your kisses of love awaken even the lips of sleeping ones. How do you awaken the sleeping ones? Keep your lips fastened to his. She says, now I know that I am filled with my beloved and all his desires are fulfilled in me. Come away, my lover. Come with me to the faraway fields. We will run away together to the forgotten places and show them redeeming love. I'm going to stop right there. Come away, my lover. Come with me to faraway fields. We'll run away together to the forgotten places and show them redeeming love. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of uncertainty for unbelievers. For us, there's certainty. I'm I'm completely certain about the future. Good. Okay? But there's chaos going around. There's uncertainty going around. There's unbelief. There's fear going around. And listen, like, part part of me totally understands. This is something none of us have ever felt. Something none of us have ever faced 
something none of us have ever walked through. However, truth is truth. And what I know about farming, I don't know a lot. Mr. Bragg, I hope you're watching this. You can correct me. But what little I know about farming is in before you plant a seed, you know what you got to do? Tear up the soil. I wasn't ready for that one. I heard the Lord whisper that to me just now. Before he plants the seed, first step, step number one, tear up the soil. Why? Because if you throw the seed on soil, what is soil before you till it up? Hard ground. If he threw a seed on your soil before he broke it up, it would never grow. So some of you are in the process right now. In fact, I believe our country's in this process right now of him tilling up the soil. There's some hard, crusty, cracked, dried out soil because of religion, because of misidentification, because of misunderstanding of who God is in the first place, because of misunderstanding about the end and what his plan is for the cosmos. But now through teaching, through revelation, through worship, through your life and my life, what he's doing is he's taking a shovel and he's taking a tiller, maybe that's a tool, and he's tilling up the ground and he's breaking it up and he's tearing it up. Lord, why are you tearing up the soil? What are you doing? Where are you? Don't miss that if he's breaking up your soil, he only intends to plant within you what you were always designed to carry. So rejoice in the tearing up of your soil. Because what you do with what you hear will determine what you see. Seed, time, and harvest is how the kingdom works. He says as to Noah, as long as the earth remains, there will always be seed, time, and harvest. So he's going to give us seeds. Listen, some of y'all have been praying for healing. I'm almost done. Some of y'all have been praying for healing, and you're not seeing it yet. Here's how he works. He gives you a seed, and then there's time. But you don't see the reality until the harvest. So be very careful because you're either in seed or you're in time. Be careful you don't see that and say, well, I guess there's nothing coming out of this. It's just growing. Right? There, there is no immediate satisfaction because a lot of times what is immediately satisfying is not long-term gratification. You know what I'm saying? H hello to anybody who's ever slept around with people. Okay? Now, just to be real, like I'm not, I'm not, I know kids watching, but like, right? Immediately satisfaction. Long-term regret. And it doesn't fulfill you at all. It gets you to the next time. How a marriage works is you meet, you start dating, you get engaged, then you get married, and then you spend the rest of your life fulfilled in the area of your life that you used to try to temporarily just get through. But it don't happen overnight. Me and my wife didn't get married until 17 months after meeting. 
And you know what we weren't doing in those 17 months? Right? Why? Because in those 17 months, there was something being planted and timed so that when it reached harvest, it was enough to fulfill every desire I had in the arena of a relationship. That's that's how the kingdom works. That's why we're called the bride of God. Seed, time, and harvest. So I'm gonna pray and then we're done. And I'm gonna encourage you, whatever you're in right now, and let me just say this, 99.999% of us, including me, are in seed. We're not even in time yet. We don't even have the right seed yet, and that's okay. But what he's doing is he's making sure that we got the right seed in this season so that when we hit that time, it's gonna be something we've never encountered before. And then when we hit harvest, dear Lord. So let me pray, and then we're gonna, I would say be out of here, but y'all aren't even in here, so close it down, whatever. Lord, I pray right now that you would allow this seed to just go deep. Let it fall deep into the soil. Cover it up and protect it from birds that are going to try to come by and rip it out. Protect it from the weeds that might try to grow up beside it and eventually choke it out. I pray this would be planted deep within us as a company of people because we're going into what no eye has seen and no ear has heard. But the first thing we're gonna have to do before we see that is honor the seed of what no eye has seen and no ear has heard. And so Yahweh, we love you. We speak healing over this region and this country and a quick end to this a recovery of the economy. I pray businesses will make money out of this season, not lose it. In your name, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more information, visit dreamcolumbia.com.